We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire teamed up with Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks to launch his brand new pod, TE1. Greg sat down with some of the best tight ends in NFL history and went in-depth on the evolution of the tight end position. Chicago sports fans will not want to miss this episode where Greg sits down with Bears rookie tight end Cole Komet. Greg talks with the rookie about all things NFL ahead of his first season. Check the description box for a link to the feed or just search TE1 anywhere you listen to your podcast. And just like Greg revolutionized the tight end position, you can revelize your football experience with NFL Sunday Ticket directed by DirecTV. Catch all of the out-of-market games every week on all your devices and never miss a moment from all your favorite players. Go to NFLSundayTicket.tv, use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, what's up? This is Cash Considerations. We are brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket. We're brought to you by TheraOne CBD. We are brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason, what's going on, man? I'm doing good, enjoying the playoffs. They've been a lot of fun. Luka Doncic, absolutely incredible yesterday. We've seen some great games. Uh, Jimmy Butler, we love Jimmy Butler here on the Cash Considerations pod. They just swept the Indiana Pacers in four games. I know Jimmy got hurt, so I think a shoulder injury today, but a sweep setting up what will most likely be a series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it's been, a, I guess, pretty eventful, just like let, weekend in the NBA with some of these great series. I mentioned Luca and the game winner, absolutely iconic shot. It was just an awesome game without Porzingis, and he puts up like a 43-17-13 triple-double, and then the game winner in OT after like a 21-point comeback. So that was awesome. Uh, was it the, the Thunder today just tied, tied that series up at 2-2? These, so these Western Conference series have been pretty fun. I know Nuggets, Nuggets, Jazz is three one, and now it looks the Lakers on Mamba Day are beating the Blazers by thirty. So that that whole Blazers story was fun for a while, uh, but that's finished now. Uh, looking around, elsewhere on the league, we saw the Sixers uh, get bounced; they got their ass swept by the Celtics, and Brett Brown got fired today. They wasted no time. We already, we saw the knives were out for Brett Brown, like even before he was fired. Like the the leaks were coming, the dirt was being dropped about the situation. Jimmy Butler, uh, I guess just right out here at the top of my head, like Brett Brown, what would you think of him as a Bulls coach? Our, I know Ime Udoka is also another possible option, yeah, and he'll be an option in, in uh, Philadelphia as well. Well, I think that this is a good time to introduce our guest. Let's do it. It's Cosmas, one of my favorite people on Twitter, <laughs> at Cosmas. His name's Brian, so I'll probably call him Brian on accident <laughs> during this podcast, so I'm just going to say it up front. Uh, Brian, first of all, thanks for joining us, man. Yes, Brian is one of the great draft voices out there. I love all of Cosmos's tweets. Anything coming wow. from Cosmos account is some <laughs> high quality shit. And I'm not just saying that because he is on the podcast. I like most of his tweets throughout the day. So, uh, Brian, how do you feel, first of all, about, you know, potentially Brett Brown 
Bulls coach. He got fired today. What's your interest level? Do you have any general Brett Brown thoughts on the day? You would, you would certainly be the sexiest Bulls coach. Him and Hoiberg. Well, he's Australian, <laughs> so they're all he's sexy. a great accent. I always forget that he has it. When he starts talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this. Bizarre accent, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm fine with it. He's a good coach. Because I don't really know. <laughs> it's hard to really predict. We don't think they're going to blow the team up, but they they could. Yeah, like, like the reporting out there is that they're going to keep Embiid and Simmons together. Who knows? Are you talking about the Bulls? Bulls or uh, Sixers? Bulls, actually. Like, okay, yeah. I was going to be the coach. Like, who's going to be there? Yeah. 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 Uh, here's my head coaching take. We're going to start off with some hot takes on this podcast. Let's do it. Because I don't want – so I think the Bulls should hire an African-American coach because they've only had one in franchise history. It was Bill Cartwright. Uh, Pete Myers, technically. Oh, Pete Myers, too, as well. But the Bulls <laughs> – I mean, he, he was an interim – Cartwright wasn't an interim, I don't believe, but he had a very short stint as head coach. Uh, the Bulls have needed more diversity throughout the organization for a long time. I think especially coming off the heels of these reports that Jim Boylan was arguably the NBA's biggest MAGA guy. That was reported by <laughs> Henry Abbott at True Hoop. Uh, if, as if you couldn't think Jim Boylan would get any worse, here it is. And I think like coming off that scenario to really get like a brush of fresh air, fresh air through the organization. I would love to see them hire like Wes Unsell Jr. or Darvin Ham or any of the other. What if said Adrian Griffin? But ooh. I know. Well, of course, I had to bite my tongue when I was going to say Adrian Griffin. But uh, the Bulls do have seemingly a lot of good, diverse candidates for this job. Darnell Mayberry wrote a great piece on it at the Athletic, sort of laying out a lot of the first-time head coaches they could be looking at. And uh, that's kind of what I want to see them do. I think, you know, like Atkinson is a good coach and, you know, whatever. They could get him and he could be like your C to B coach. I think Brett Brown probably fills a similar role. And like Brian said, we don't know what the makeup of the Bulls roster is going to look like or what this coach is going to have to work with. But uh, I think, you know, it's, it's overdue for the Bulls to get some diversity throughout the front office and especially coming off the Jim Boylan experience. It would just be a breath of fresh air. I would personally, I, I personally hope for Eme or Watson Soul Jr. And Darwin, Darwin Ham too. Darwin Ham seems like a nice guy. So somebody, <laughs> even Sam Cassell, like Stackhouse. There's there's candidates. I don't think Stackhouse is married to the Vanderbilt job. No, he yeah. yeah and, you know, how the college, awful the college, they were. The college coach that never gets named that I would like to see get a shot is Anthony Grant. I thought that yeah. Dayton ran the He's a great coach. Team to an NBA offense in college basketball last year. And uh, I'm a little surprised that you haven't heard Anthony Grant's name mentioned for these high-profile NBA jobs yet. What do you think of Juwan like, Howard? I saw Woj uh, brought, bring him up to Alabama where he came and said that I'm staying. I selfishly don't want to see him till, leave until he coaches his son, his other son at Michigan because Jace is there this year. And then Jet Howard is, is more than likely coming in, I think, two years, I think. I forget how old he is. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Jet's like Jet's really good. Jet's a really good shooter. Jace is just like a guy, but I mean, you know, who could play college? But um I just selfishly I like when uh I like when when a college coach at a major university somehow gets his son on the team. It's wonderful nepotism. And then sometimes it works <laughs> out where like uh uh Oregon State had Trace had their yeah. Wayne Jiggleson Trace, who was like one of the best players in the Pac twelve for the last three years. Um yeah, I think there's there's a lot of there's it should be a first time coach I think unless I mean a Brad or Kenny Atkinson I wouldn't be mad at but I, I really I think they need to figure out what they need to do is ask Wendell who he wants to, if he wants to coach and then if he doesn't want to coach then let get somebody that he likes <laughs> and with that I the think first question can. the first question they should ask any potential hire is what are you going to do with Wendell Carter. I love that. Yeah, he was horribly misused, of course. Horribly misused. His time with the Bulls this year. Uh, we have Brian on because Brian is one of the sharpest NBA draft analysts out there on Twitter. And if you're not following at Cosmos, make sure you're doing it. He drops a lot of great NBA draft coverage, uh, you know, through a statistical lens. I really like everything Brian's thrown out there. So uh, when we had Brian on and, you know, the little pre-show chat before we started recording, he said that he was going to give us an opening salvo on the 2020 NBA draft. So, Cosmos, the floor is yours. 
it's the first draft since 2013 where there's not a confirmed good player. Like <laughs> every draft, because 2014 is Embiid. I mean, we thought it was then. It definitely is Embiid. And then 2015 was Cat for sure. 2016 was Ben Simmons. 2017 was Fultz coming into the draft. 18 was Luca. 19 was Zion. Like those, th- there's not a confirmed number one pick guy since 2013 is the last time because I don't know if you remember Ricky. Nerlens Noel was like the big number one recruit guy. Oh, of course. And he was probably going to be the number one pick until he tore his ACL. And then it was and, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, and then it was nobody. Now I think uh, whoever this first pick is, even if it's Wiseman, will probably be better than Anthony Bennett. Even though I, I'm, <laughs> at the low bar. <laughs> I'm a, I, I mean, I have Wiseman in the twenties. I don't think he's particularly good. Like not like a superstar level good. He's like Hassan Whiteside. But I'm also confident the Bulls. Uh, I'm I'm very glad they got four. I was getting a little nervous when they jumped into the top four that they would get like three and, and take him. But uh, I don't think he's going to get past Jordan because just how Michael Jordan drafts. It's just he's heard of James Wiseman, so he'll take him. And they do need it. They need like size. So I guess it's not the worst pick. But um, I like I love like I like Lamelo a lot, but. I don't think he's like a consensus number one player. Part of that is he's got like a weird, he's both over and underrated because he's a ball where like some people think he's just some scrub who's only a prospect because of who his family is and not that he's a six, eight point guard. who does, he's like one of the best dribblers at that size in the history of basketball um, and makes like Jason Williams passes. But yeah. And then Edwards is like physically the number one pick, but he's just kind of spacey. He's got a lot of Wiggins in his game where he just sort of stops playing for long stretches, and it's uh, not not very uh, – I mean, I think everyone saw on the, the draft lottery special, he even said, yeah, I had a lot of bad games this year. You don't want, to, you don't want the number one pick saying right. that. That's a bad thing to hear. I don't, I don't like that. But, I mean, he does have – he does have – like, he's a good pull-up shooter. He's 6'5", 220. Like, he'll probably be good. But, um, yeah, it, it's just it, – there's – I don't think there's anyone at the top of the draft who's like a guaranteed all star. Is what I'm getting at. So or who? Like, so, who uh, so who would you? Who do you think will go number one? Versus who would you take number one? Well, that's a question. Uh, so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be Edwards or Ball. It's whoever Minnesota likes more. I would go Ball. Um, I personally like my number one player is Alexei Pokashevsky, but that's not even necessarily saying that I would take him number one. It's just looking at who has the highest ceiling, like who has that, that all NBA ceiling. And it's like, well, the seven foot guy who shoots threes and had five, had five assists per 36 and like eight stocks and shoot like, shot like 79% from the line. And it's like this freak dribbler, but that doesn't necessarily mean I take him one. Cause I feel like if you take him one and he doesn't work, you're fired. You know, you're gone. Yes. <laughs> um, but I mean like dragon Bender went third and he's, he's a better prospect than dragon Bender. Um, he doesn't have the confidence issues that Dragon Bender has. Where Dragon Bender looked like he never wanted to play back. When he missed a shot, he looked like he wanted to quit playing basketball. Pokashevsky takes a while that shots. He takes like two or three dribbles between his legs, pull up like thirty footers sometimes. That he love it. Somebody described him one out of every three times he has the ball, he's going to do something incredibly either incredibly stupid or incredibly skilled, and it usually works somehow. He's a freak. He's also he turns nineteen uh, the day after Christmas, which is insane. Um, he's one of the youngest draft eligible players of all time. Like, I think Seku Domboya was like he's I think he's on the twenty second or twenty third of December, so he's even younger than Seku was last year. Um, but the Bulls aren't going to take him I, I, unless Karnasovas goes crazy. Um, sounds like they're going to take Denny Avdia, which is fine. It's not who I would take, but you know. Yeah. So I think that, you know, pretty much every team, the top two teams for sure, I think are going to be looking to trade out. And that's Minnesota and Golden State. So, like, we don't really know where Minnesota is going in this draft with Rosas as the GM. Uh, I was really high on Culver last year, and he traded up to get Culver. I think, what did it cost him? Like, 11 and Sarek to move up to number yeah, I think so. You know, Culver? Sounds right. Uh, so, you know, I think that to me, LaMelo is the best player in the draft. I mean, he, and I don't feel super confident about it. Like Brian said, like there's no one in this draft who you can confidently say is definitely going to be a good NBA player coming into it. I mean, it's Desmond Bain. And all-star, and all-star, yeah. Like, yeah. 
Bane and like Tillman and like Isaiah Joe, it's like those guys will be solid NBA players probably. But like, there's nobody you look at and be like, yeah, that guy's an All Star. Even Fultz, like Fultz probably won't be an All Star. I mean, he could still happen. But I mean, coming into the draft, it was like, yeah, that guy's an All Star. And totally. then it turned out turned out that guy was Tatum, and we missed it, and Mitchell. But that yeah. that happens. No doubt. And I'm glad you brought up 2013 because I'm looking at the 2013 draft now. And obviously you had Giannis. So, like, you know, in your uh, estimation, maybe Poku is the Giannis of this class. You know, like – Play the same league. <laughs> yeah, they did both play in the second division of the – He won't He won't add that kind of strength, though. Like, that's – Giannis is such a freak outlier, like, right. work ethic guy. But Poku, I mean, it. you know, it's a credit to him. He learned English when he was, like, 16. That's, that's usually a good sign of, like, somebody who takes it seriously. He just is so skinny. Like he has, he has no weight on his body. He's gonna be a bad like under the like. He did shoot over sixty percent at the rim, which is encouraging. But he's gonna be like a bad. It's gonna be hard for him to score inside the arc for a while. I think. Sure. And then like you look at the rest of that thirteen draft. He had Rudy Gobert. He went twenty seven. Obviously, 27. great player. CJ McCollum, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter. You had Stephen Adams. You had guys who are somewhat useful, like Olinick. Even Mason Plumley, you know, is that a decent player? at this point. He's become good. Trey Burke. Yeah. Can Trey we... Burke, great story. Yes. Trey Burke's been very good. So uh, Tony Snell, of course. Oh, yeah. The legend. <laughs> My <himself>. guy. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, would you say that when the Bulls are on the clock at number four, how likely, what percentage do you think it is that Wiseman, Ball, and Edwards are all off the clock? Like, do you say it's an 80% pretty high. I, yeah, I would say 75, 80 at least. I, I, would, I think those are going to be the first three picks. And I think you, you can tell that because those are the three guys in the NBA is pushing. Yeah. And that the NBA would know if anyone, like, you know, they would have an idea. Um, yeah, I feel like those are going to be the first three picks, even if they get traded. Like, I don't think Wiseman, even if LaMelo falls, I think, Wise, I think the Bulls would take Wiseman because it just seems like how Jordan would operate because he's bad at. The, just the job he has. Do <laughs> uh, so you think the Hornets would take Wiseman over Lamelo? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would really disagree with that selection. I would think that that was like borderline malpractice. But uh, I don't think Lamelo is going to get past get to them though. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, so then you know we're looking at a scenario where the Bulls have the fourth pick. So now let's just Ricky, talk about yeah. Hold on, Ricky. Before we go on, let's do a, let's a quick break before we get into this Bulls stuff. Quick word from our sponsors. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with a revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USA, USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. So use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and the sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. So now through Labor Day, that's Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners here at Cash Considerations a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. You've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. It's not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. So go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday TV. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on all your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels, so you never have to miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv. Use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we're back. Cash considerations. So if we're agreeing that Wiseman, Edwards, and Ball are going to be off the board when the Bulls come at number four, Brian, who would you take? Killian Hayes. It's no doubt. 
That's I who I would even take as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, just, I mean, I like Denny. Like, Denny's not, Denny's getting some flack at, for his, the competition level, which isn't really his fault. And he can't shoot, but he is, like, good, like, legitimately good at defense and good at passing. So, like, I, Denny, it's not hard to see Denny, like, starting on a playoff team. It's just, like, his maximum outcome is, like, what, Sarich? I don't see a path for Denny to get to all-star level. No. And that's why I haven't really understood the top five hype on him tracking this class all year. So uh, for someone who like has never read or heard anything about Denny, do you want to give us like the 10,000 foot overview of his game and how he could potentially fit in the league? He's six foot eight and he's a good passer. Um, I don't know. He, he's, he's weird. Cause he's like, he's not super athletic, but he's a very good rim protector. It's just like a guy who bodies people up and blocks and like block shots on the weak side. He gets, he high points rebounds. He's kind of, he's going to get Doncic comparisons because he's a white guy who's good at dribbling and passing, but he's sort of like, if you took Luca's shot making ability away and, and, but made him okay at defense, which is like a weird player. I don't really know how to classify him. Yeah, I was gonna bring I, I was gonna bring up Doncic because I feel like I've seen that. I feel like Doncic like being so good is is that is it like helping him because now people him. are like, oh this this European guy like look at what Luca is doing and like now we should we should take this next type guy from whatever from the international guy. The difference is Luca, I mean yeah you know, he's definitely being helped by it. the difference is that Luca was like a twenty one a game score at eighteen in the Euro yeah. League. Denny's like a twelve game a score in the English in the Israeli Premier Israeli League. Israeli League, like, yeah. yeah. But he has he has played Euroleague minutes and he's been fine. he's been pretty good. So like, so to me, the only way Denny could return top five value, in circling back to the Luca comparison, is if you think Denny could be a primary creator. Yeah. So, I don't think he can do that. How do you? No. He's more of a secondary, I would say. Absolutely. And if you're more of a secondary. You kind of got to be really good in catch and shoot situations to play high level minutes in the NBA. He's not. He's not even a good foul shooter. That's the that's the Achilles heel, really. Under sixty percent. Just uh, frightening. That's a frighteningly yeah. bad mark for a ball handler. I did see what his three point shooting was kind of getting better, like as going on. I, I saw some stats like that, but I mean, obviously, the free throw shooting if that's bad. It's, that's not not as you said not ideal. I think the problem he has is that he has like a big body. Like he's not he's listed at what six eight six nine like two twenty, but he's just one of those guys. He's just kind of big in his hips and like big in his like <laughs> not like a not like a not like a fat guy, but just like a big not, like Luca kind of is, is thick. Too. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> he's got that Jabari Parker lower half. Oh, oh yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, he's got better. He's got much better. Like he's much much better defensively already. But yeah. like. Yeah, I, so it, sometimes I think it's hard for him to like shoot pull-ups. I've noticed that. He's kind of heavy-footed on those. Um, he's a guy who gets a lot of uh, foot-in-the-line threes, from what I remember seeing. So but, if Denny is the pick, do you see him as a three or a four with the Bulls? And how do you think he fits in like next to Wendell or next to Lowry at all? Does Lowry have to get moved if he's the pick? What's your read on that situation? The problem is that him and Wendell – it's just not an NBA level shooting front court. It's just not they're not they're not gonna shoot an NBA level. Even if Wendell busts out to be like Al Horford level shooting, it's still not like with what we're seeing in the bubble, that's not a competent shooting front court in the NBA. And the difference between him and Lowry is just like athletically that's way under. I did I don't think that's really a good fit <clears throat> for those three. And then if like Thad's there, that's the worst shooting front court in the league. <laughs> uh, I mean look at look at like what uh the Thunder have done just by having Gallinari at center and just having other shooters around and being able to hang with the Rockets. Um, yeah, that that's not a good fit. I just don't like the fit. I don't hate Denny. Like, I, I don't think he's a bad prospect or anything. I mean, it's it's rare that an actually bad prospect is getting top ten hype. Was was the last one? Thomas Robinson. Like, oh God, <laughs> somebody who was legitimately just like not. And we thought he seemed better than he was. So I don't know if he counts. I wouldn't take him. I, I, got, I understand the appeal. I just don't understand the appeal top five. Last Denny question. Do you like people are calling him a combo forward? So we already talked about his position a little bit, but like, you know, do you think it would be tenable to have Denny playing NBA small forward minutes? 
I guess Otto did this year. I mean, I think all fours are combo forwards at this point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Gallinari, like, bring him up again. He was a three for a while. Um, thinking of, like, a Joe Ingles is considered a combo forward. Actually, Joe Ingles is, like, the way he handles the ball is kind of how Denny handles the ball. It's just he can't shoot. <laughs> he can shoot. Ingles is, like, a 40% three-point shooter. Ingles is a lights out. He was, a, like, a yeah. 49 his last year in Australia. He was a monster shooter. Um, the one positive I will say about Denny is he, he will make – He, I mean, he, A, he's a wing. <laughs> Which is, I think that's the biggest reason they're looking at him because even the Wolves have to understand how absolutely dire their wing selection is. Hutchison's a, a combo forward. That's a good example. Mm-hmm. Like he play, he can play three, but he's a four really, if he's anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. The one positive is that he's not going to make them good enough to to take them out of the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes. So I, I guess I wouldn't be that mad about it. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want to focus on this for now. So like, okay. Second guy I'm going to ask you about, hotly debated, I would say, amongst Twitter viewers, but uh, most people are anti this guy. And I'm talking, of course, about Obi Toppin. Now, there's yeah. a lot of reasons to be totally out on Obi Toppin. I can actually somewhat maybe talk myself into it, even though he's absolutely a flawed player. Uh, but just general Obi Toppin thoughts, if the Bulls take Obi Toppin, like, would you view that as a fucking disaster? Would you be able to talk yourself into it? What They'd, have to, trade some, they'd have to trade somebody. They'd have to. Because Obi can shoot. Obi's a good offensive. He's going to be a, probably a, at worst like Bobby Portis level scorer in the NBA. Like, he will score. He'll probably have some games where he puts up like 35. He just can't. He's a good passer. Like, I'm not, but he's just such a, he's such a disaster defensively, and he's old. It's not like. It's like Precious Achua, the opposite. Like Precious Achua is a disaster offensively, and people call him raw, but he's like 21. Obi is almost 23. He's almost 23 year old sophomore. Like he's old as dirt, and he's not like you. you he's 20. He's like almost as old as Jason Tatum. <laughs> like right now, the same age. He's like a. I think he's like a day older than day younger than Jason Tatum or something like that. It's crazy. Good and Lord. like <laughs> he's not gonna get better. He moves, and he's his thing is like it's not a not an IQ or like a, he makes bad reads. He can't move. Like he moves great vertically. He cannot turn. He is ungodly slow. He's like, this is a weird, this is gonna be weird for people who aren't football fans. He's like end of career Lance Briggs slow, where he just like takes him 10 (laughs) seconds to turn. It's really painful. He turns like a boat. He's almost as slow as Wiseman and he's like half a foot shorter. Not legitimately, but I don't know. Obi will score and he's a good shooter. He'll pass and he's going to have cool lobs. So like he's a fun player. If they're picking like eight or nine, I'd probably be okay with it. I just don't like him top five. He's so going to have to be a monster scorer. Right. And, you know, he's getting comp to John Collins a lot. That was the first comp that I thought of when I started to watch Obi yeah. Maui Invitational when he was uh, lighting up Kansas a little bit. So Collins is pretty good. And I actually think that Obi has higher offensive upside than Collins. Because I think that he is – better attacking the basket and more agile attacking the basket uh, in space on the short roll. And I think he could pass a little bit better than Collins can for sure in terms of like, you know, beating the four on three situations as the role man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually really like Toppin's offense kind of. I think that like if you were to build a team that had shooters everywhere else and Obi Toppin flying for sick dunks to the basket – it could maybe work, but the only way it could work is if every other player on the team could like insulate him defensively and could like really yeah. be great team or, defenders. Or if you're the Mavericks, he'd probably work great there. He's not going to make it to there, but he'd be a great Maverick because he would just go nuts shooting and dunking. So, but. yeah, I don't really want Toppin, but part of me thinks that I would rather have Toppin than Denny. And I believe that those are the two choices that I think they will be choosing from. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my read on the situation coming into it. Well, let's get to the other guy, that guy that you mocked and who Brian just said he wants. Let's let's talk about Killian Hayes more. Why do you guys like Killian Hayes for the Bulls? I know I know Ricky on our blast pod. You said that uh, you you like him there, but you don't think they'll take him. You just kind of no. mentioned that there. 
Uh, why, Ryan? Why do you like Killian Hayes so much for the Bulls at four? Um, he is six foot six and two hundred twenty pounds, and he's a eighty eight percent foul shooter, and is a like a three to one assist to turnover guy at eighteen years old in a professional basketball league. <laughs> and he's good at defense. He's a really like a great defender. Sometimes he looks so awesome. Um, and I was a little lower on him because he kind of looked like D'Angelo Russell too much. Like he, I think he's definitely watched a lot of Russell tape. The same way that when Kevin Porter was coming out, he got James Harden comps because he wants to be James Harden. I think, I think uh, Killian has watched a lot of Russell tape. But I mean, the physical like he he has the same kind of like not really dominant physically. He's just large, strong, really good at creating space, good floater guy. Um, he's weird because he's a I don't know I don't remember what his final numbers were, but he's a bad spot up shooter. Like he's not good at it. But at one point he was shooting like fifty two percent on pull ups. Which is a weird, like, he's an on-ball player entirely. And that's kind of why I want him for the Bulls, because they need that. <laughs> but the Bulls yep. need a guy who has the ball a lot and makes decisions who isn't Kobe White or Zach Levine. I mean, I like, I do like both of them, but, like, they're not, uh, they're not Monte Morris, is what I'll say. They're not going to be, they're not always making good decisions with the ball. And Killian is, like, a, a absolute master in the pick and roll. Just has, has that gift to make those passes, the skip passes and all the sideways ones. He's left-handed, which makes it harder to guard a lot of times in pick and roll because he'll reject screens and go the other way and throw defenders off. Um, and, and like the the idea that a guy who's a great pull-up shooter who has like great footwork on that and shoots in the high 80s and free throws is not going to be a good three-point shooter is there's no reason to think that. I don't think that's ever happened. Not at least like an average three-point shooter. I think he's at 31 or 32 percent for the for the year, but a lot of those were spot-ups, which he's just not good at. But he's 18. Well, 19 now. Sorry, I keep thinking it's the normal draft time. <laughs> yeah, I really like Killian because for multiple reasons. I mean, to me, he's a top three player in this class yes. uh, overall. And when the Bulls landed at number four, I thought, well, that's a no-brainer, man. Just take Killian Hayes. This is great. He's not going to go in the first three picks. So this actually worked out wonderfully for the Bulls. But, of course, his NBA stock is not as high as it is to a lot of us armchair analysts. And it is because I think I need to ask more NBA guys on this, but I think it's because he's just not really the type of explosive athlete uh, around the rim that you typically expect from a guard getting picked in the top five. So, you know, to me, I think the bulls rebuild has sort of distilled a greater truth about basketball to me at this point, which is that like, you can have a lot of interesting guys but if you do not have a primary creator, they can all look like dog shit. And I think that, you know, the picture of the Bulls' young guys would look very, very differently if they still had a primary creator like Jimmy Butler, like with this current core. I know it's not really possible, but just hypothetically. Or if they, you know, of course, were to get Luca. But the primary creator is just so important because now you have someone like Zach Levine who at times looks like a lights-out scorer, but... He's judged under this light of him playing out of like in a role that he should never have, which yeah. is as your guy who's you know running the pick and rolls and the isolations. But you know how much different would everything look if Lowry Markkinen, another guy who can't create his own offense, something like seventy-two percent of Markkinen's baskets are assisted. But how much better does he look if he's playing with a great primary creator and you know coached by someone who's not the worst coach of all time in Jim Boylan? <laughs> so uh, to me, Lamelo is the has the best chance to be a star level primary creator in this draft. That's why I have him number one. Killian Hayes has the second best chance to be a star level primary creator in this draft. And the comp I'm going to throw out there, it's not a perfect comp because as Brian talked about Killian, for whatever reason has struggled to shoot off the ball. Maybe that will totally change in the league as he gets older and just, you know, more adapted to uh, whatever role that is, because mostly on Killian's German league team, um, he was almost exclusively playing off the ball. They didn't really have another shot creator on that team from when I watch games. So, no, they've not. But my comp was going to be Malcolm Brogdon. Similarly like big and strong. Brogdon, of course, had the 40-50-90 season, spotting up off the ball almost exclusively in Milwaukee and sort of surprised us when he went to the Pacers and you're like, oh, damn, actually Malcolm Brogdon can sort of be a primary creator. That is kind of how I view Killian. Or at the very least, a, uh, Brogdon is a very good downhill pick-and-roll guard because he just gets around the pick, and, like, what guard is going to get in front of him after that? 
and he's smart he's, as hell, and he's strong as hell, yeah. and he can shoot a little bit off the dribble. And and he's know, one of the best free throw shooters of all time. Um, I think Brogdon was like third all time last time I looked. Uh, yeah, I, I like I think that. he's been over. He's been around ninety percent. I think his whole career. That that sounds right. Yeah, I, I like that comp too, and and it make it does make more sense than the D'Angelo Russell one because it's hard. It's weird to say D'Angelo Russell, but good at defense because that's not really something that exists. It's like, what if Joe Kim Noah shot threes? It's like, well, I, what, what does that look like? I don't know. Um, He's a yeah, consistent decision maker too. I think. Yeah, or he has the potential to be. But I, I, you know, the Russell one works because, like I said, I think he's watched a lot of tape of Russell, so you can kind of see his like he has the same kind of flip that little flip he does. The same kind of like he, he's he's trying to do some of Russell's more step elaborate back. dribbles because yeah the step back I mean everyone who does a step back now I think is watching Harden do it but um yeah I think between those two players is like his max outcome and that player would be number one in this draft <laughs> yeah that's a good player and Killian Hayes is gonna be there for the Bulls at number four uh, it's unfortunate that the league apparently doesn't view him that highly. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, we don't know what I, we don't know what AK thinks. I mean, we know. we know right. they want to get smarter players than guys who can move the ball a bit. So, like, I mean, that kind of fits that profile. It seems like take him. Well, no brainer. If they want a smart player, I have a player yeah. for them. Good. I wanted to talk about this guy. You're talking about Halliburton. Yes, of course I am. <laughs> My close personal friend, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, <laughs> Uh, my favorite college basketball player of the last 15 years, I'd say. I love him. Nice. <laughs> He's an f- absolute freak, complete statistical weirdo. Like, um, it was a little, it was a little depressed this year because he had to play lead initiator on a team that had no talent and bad shooters. But yeah, what, what did he do last last year on that good Iowa State team? He let me find the exact numbers because I think he had more. Yes, he was a point guard who had more blocks than turnovers. It's 30 blocks and 28 turnovers for an entire college basketball season. And he's six foot five, 120 pounds. Um, this year, he had much more turnovers than blocks, but he still only had 61 okay. turnovers in 800 minutes. It's wow. pretty good. And like his efficiency numbers dropped across the board, but they dropped to like 50, I think 50, 40, 84, something like that. And he had. There was there was some number I saw that he had uh, on threes attempted off of his passes. His teammates were shooting like twelve percent, which is just it's like a criminal number. And he's a freak. Yeah, Halliburton. The only statistical comp- comparison for him in the recent history of college basketball is Lonzo Ball. And unlike Lonzo Ball, he can move his legs and his hips and his knees at the same time. And he has like can he weird layups. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he the only real. The only real reason I don't think Halliburton's going to go in the top five is he can't. He's not a rim pressure guy. He doesn't like get to the rim, which is what point guards do. Like he 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 shoots well at the rim because he picks his shots and he will only take once he can hit. But he he definitely struggles like getting into the defense. Um, he also overpasses sometimes. Like if you ever watch his highlights, the way he passes it makes sense. Like he makes some of the most absurd. He might be the only good jump passer in basketball history. <laughs> um, Halliburton's a freak. He's a great rebounder for a guard. He's the only way to really describe him is, is if, like a weird hybrid of Monty Morris, DeLon Wright, and Lonzo. But if somehow he was smarter than that, because he's just a genius. He's a genius passer. It's really weird that he and Lamella are in the same class because they're both like there's two of the strangest point guards I can ever remember seeing. But yeah, 18 free throw rate is bad. That's not good. Um, but he still had a 632 shooting, which is crazy. An 11.6 BPM, which is the normal BPM, which is crazy on a team that won like nine games. Um, he's just a, he's an absolute complete savant. It's really telling that he went to uh, the in last year. He went to the under was the under 20 under 20 FIBA team. And was the second best player on the team that had like Jalen Green, uh, who else was on that team? Reggie Perry, bunch of bunch of bunch of guys in this class. Oh God, um, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? The other forward, uh, Greg Brown. But he didn't play. Probably didn't play. Okay, I think Greg Brown was on that team, wasn't he? I don't know. Let me look it up really quick. I should have looked this up. Yeah, because I knew so, we were going to talk about it. 
my uh, my quick retort on Halliburton, I would not want the Bulls to take him at number four. I do think that he could be a, a good NBA player for sure. Uh so he's going to be an interesting test case because Halliburton's numbers, his efficiency numbers are pretty much unassailable. As Brian alluded to, uh, he had a 66 true shooting percentage as a freshman, but had a very low usage rate, like a 9% usage rate. So the big question for him coming into this year was, could he increase his usage rate as a sophomore because he was going to be like the featured player on the team and still maintain his efficiency? And for the most part, he did it. He had a 63% true shooting percentage. Uh, like Brian said, he had a few more turnovers, but still really good assist to turnover ratio guy. Uh, to me, he's more like Lonzo Ball than LaMelo Ball is. And the big difference is that Halliburton is a very good spot-up three-point shooter, like high-level spot-up three-point shooter. In some ways, he actually reminds me of Sadoransky a little bit, too. Yeah. In that, uh, like, so that's why I think he's interesting, because, like, I look at the numbers and I think, well, if someone was this good statistically, they're probably good at basketball. But then, like, my eye test, for whatever that's worth, it's like he's so skinny. I think he's just going to get targeted relentlessly on defense. And even, like, NBA guards who aren't, like, you don't think of as super jacked are going to have a significant strength advantage on Halliburton. And I think that he is someone who's going to basically have a target on his chest defensively early in his career because he's at a strength deficiency. And then two, as Brian said, like the guy just does not break you down off the dribble and get to the rim. That's just like not part of his game. So he while looks he looks immediately and he's great at it, but if that's it's, like, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. While he is a good passer, like so much of the value of passing comes after you collapse the defense and you like, you know, force the action and then read the floor, make a pass or be someone who, you know, best case scenario, like has the defense guessing 50 50 on whether or not you're going to score or dish. So I just really wonder about how tenable he can be as As anything more than like a fifth starter or a fourth starter, but he could be a really good one. I think like, um, I really like him in golden state actually, which he's a connector. He's a connector passer. Is what, what we call that the best, the best way to describe like the best stat I have for him is at one point, I think it was right before the big 12 tournament last season when he was on the good, you know, he was on a team that had like NBA talent on it, Mary Shayok and, and Wigginton and Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, he at one point he had a forty-five to one assist to turnover ratio in transition. Like he had something like ninety assists and two turnovers in transition. That's like savant shit. <laughs> He's a savant. Um, he makes some of the most aesthetically pleasing passes I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, I don't think you can draft him and have him be a lead guard. It's just not going to work. And that's why I wouldn't take him. I, I'd love it if they did. Like if some for reason they traded back and they took him at like eight, I'd be ecstatic. That's exactly what I was going to ask. But like, yeah, he'll he, um, like seven or eight. But he, um, yeah. But I, I think if you draft him, if you draft a guard in the top five, they come with an expectation of like yeah. being guard. an attacking guard. Yeah. He's not. He can't. He can't fulfill that. Um, the one other guy I wanted to talk about for maybe that spot, if they want an attacking guard, they can go after Kyra Lewis, who was also on that U under nineteen team. I would love that, but I don't think they will. Even if I think he could, he could absolutely take bring back that value, but. Um, he's a weird case because he may have been, it's, it's hard to tell if, if Nate Oates being there and running a pro style offense is responsible for him or if it just helped him show his NBA talent. Uh, the one positive is that he's one of the fastest human beings alive. <laughs> um, and he's a good passer. He's a good shooter. He's like six two one eighty. He's like jaw sized, but doesn't quite have jaws burst which is concerning, but I mean, Colin Sexton's making it work well enough. You know, I think, I don't think being really is small is, I mean, he, to his he, had, credit, he had a decent year. He looks more like credit, a he became, man. Yeah. He became yeah. like a not horribly negative NBA player on a bad team, which is like more than I expected. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just Garland next to him made him look better this year, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's they're in a tough spot because they need a wing. I mean, I guess if I had one other target, it'd be Vassell. And I, I was going to ask about him. I, would, I was going to ask about him too. So let's talk about Vassell. What do you think of Vassell? And do you think that he's like 
you know, if he was the fourth, do you think he's a viable fourth pick? Yes. Me, I would rather have him than Denny or Obi. Yes. Easily. I mean, the worst case for Vassell is like what? Mikhail Bridges? He's not it's that like, long. But he, but he has more, he already has more like isolation game than Mikhail probably will ever have. I don't know who's like a long. Well, I'm not I was Vassell. thinking like short Covington. Yeah, like Vassell is he, and I, I've mentioned this several times. For a guy who played in the ACC on a good team, he finished his career with more points than turnovers, more assists than turnovers, more rebounds than turnovers, more steals than turnovers, and more blocks than turnovers. Playing in the ACC, like he's an underrated decision maker. He does not make mistakes on either, on either end. He will sometimes dribble into like kind of tough twos, but he's pretty good at hitting them. And that, if that's like your weakest attribute as a as a uh, as an NBA player, you, like the floor for him, he's one of those guys where like there's nothing he's not going to be pretty good at, except for maybe self creation. Which I get that fourth pick is kind of low, but like I would have taken Covington top ten. Looking back, looking knowing what we know now, and that's his yeah. weakness. And Mikhail Bridges, that's his weakness. I'd take him top ten immediately. No, no doubt about it. Both guys have been pretty good. Yeah. Vassell is Vassell is tied with being since I started doing this full time and like after the twenty seventeen draft, he is tied with someone else as the best team defender I've ever seen, and that someone else is Chumo Kiki. And there and the difference is that, uh, he doesn't weigh two hundred forty pounds and has knee injuries like Chumo Kiki. Um, and I love Chumo Kiki. Um. He's Vassell is a monster. He's an absolute. Uh, God, okay, I can't remember the exact parameters for this. It was something. It was total. It was six seven or no six five or taller players who had faced a certain amount of pick and rolls as like the primary defender. And it was in college. It was the amount of turnovers they forced. Number two was Jimmy Butler at twenty six percent. Number one was Devin Vassell at almost thirty one. Almost thirty one percent of the pick and roll he faced, he caused a turnover on. That's an absolutely absurd number because he just takes it. He just takes the ball from people or he'll just wait, wait back and read them and jump. Cause he just, yeah, Ricky said he's not super long, but he's like six, seven, six, 10 wing, Like he's six, seven with like a six, 10 wingspan. That's pretty good. And he's a, like a freak reaction time guy. And he's a really good athlete. He, um, he's just, he's a freak. He's a complete freak. Like IQ wise and reading the basketball. And he's a good athlete. I really like Vassell. He's one of my so- favorite guys. Vassell is my my number two guy who I would want for the Bulls. I would want Hayes one, and then I would say Vassell. But I got a couple questions for you, Brian, on Vassell. Uh, just curious how you'll answer them. First of all, like I think you know if you're drafting a three and D wing, which like I, one thing that I think you know we'll all agree on is like three and D wing is it, you know you're sort of you can sort of get like siloed in that role. But a really good three and D wing is like a super valuable player in the NBA. Yeah. But, a big key to that is being a high-volume three-point shooter. So my first question is, do you believe that he can be someone who is, like, you know, taking seven, six, seven attempts a game, even if it's yeah. mostly a catch-and-shoot and hitting 40%, like, high-volume three-point shooter? Because if Florida State, he didn't really have a ton of volume. I mean, he took 100, the bit, 100 threes this year. Three yeah, the thing is that that's Florida State. Like, Nobody takes high. They don't have high volume shoot. Like they, nobody takes that many shots there. They spread everything out. I think he could easily take six or seven and still still shoot thirty six, thirty seven percent, maybe thirty eight. Danny Green is a comp. Like he's not going to be that kind of shooter, but he's more of a ball handler than Danny Green. But he kind of looks like Danny Green physically, and he kind of moves like Danny Green. And Danny Green's been a top five like by PFPM. He's been like a top five shooting guard the last decade. Like he's been a great player. Um. And he finally hit shots tonight, so I, I don't I feel like less of an idiot for liking him. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, Vassell. I think Vassell, like Otto, has a little bit more as like a creator for other people in his game. Like he has, I think he has something there because he makes really really quick passes, which is like you know that's the key to being a, a secondary creator. It's just don't hold the ball. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean he was forty nine percent from the field this year. That's that's fine. 41. I guess 73 foul shooter is a little, eh, but he didn't take enough. Like, he's one of those guys who, uh, like, I remember John Conchar two years ago just didn't get to the line for, like, three weeks. So his his foul percentage stayed at, like, 60 
all the way into conference play, and he ended up at like 74. But John Contra is like a great shooter. So I, sometimes that happens. You just don't get to the line enough, or you go like two for six in a game, and it just stays there. Or you become Jared Culver, and you forget how to shoot free throws for some reason. I'm not going to get over that one. I like Vassell. Like I said, he's my number two pick for this bowl spot, but I do question how much he can give you off the dribble. Like, I don't really know if he can get to the rim. He never got to the line a lot, like you said. And I do wonder, like, you know, how vi- basically it's like all you got to be able to do is attack a closeout. Yeah. So, like, how viable is he attacking closeouts? But, you know, I guess we'll see. And then defensively, like, High level, right? Like, so I have no doubts. It's at least as good as Thibel was last year, and he's younger. Oh wow! I mean, Thibel makes just the highlight plays, and Thibel's stronger, I would say, and Thibel yeah. has more hops, I would say. Ah, uh, I've seen Vassell. He had a uh, last year when he didn't play very much. He had two or three huge putback dunks. Like he gets up there on those. I would say Thibel's a little more bouncy, like contesting. But uh, Devin, Devin gets up there. He just kind of moves. He's one of those guys who's really fast, but doesn't have like the the quick twitch, like the burst. He just kind of goes. He has like one speed, but I yeah. The one other positive with him, just look at Denny, is if they could take him this year and still win twenty five games, and then be right in a good position to get one of the multiple lead guys who should be in twenty twenty one. That's the hope, if there is a college basketball season. For sure. And then one last guy I want to ask you about is Isaac Okoro. I have two takes on Isaac Okoro. My first take is that if Isaac Okoro can become like a really good shooter, he's probably going to be the best player in the class. My second take is that if you put Isaac Okoro into a like spot-up role on offense early in his career, he will probably be one of the worst offensive players in the league Yeah, because he can't shoot. Everyone can ignore him. I actually think the Bulls might not be t- a terrible spot for him because, you know, if you go uh, front court of Lowry and Wendell, hopefully Wendell shoots it a little bit better like we expect him to. But, like, I think you can use Okoro as a role man, and I think Okoro has to be used as a role man or just, like, used creatively early in his career because he is such a poor outside shooter. Yeah, uh, he's a worse shooter than than the last two guys that Archetype the Bulls have had. Uh, Shaq Harrison and Nwaba. He's a worse shooter than the, the two of them. Like teams just ignored him completely. Um, he's a good passer, like off, like off the dribble passer for a guy like that. I, I love Okoro aesthetically, and I think he's going to be a solid NBA player. I don't think I'd take him that high. That's just he can't score. They can't shoot. He could score okay, like he could finish okay, but he's not. I, I have very strong doubts he's ever going to be. And look what look what it did to Lou Dort, who has been good, but like he didn't even get drafted because of it. And I don't, I don't know if Okoro should even be a top ten pick with that limitation. Uh, I do think that if he learns how to shoot it, though, like he's he could be Jimmy Butler, but I don't think that'll happen. He's a really good defensive player. Mm-hmm. Really, he good. is one of the rare. He is one of the rare players who's legitimately good at team defense and is like a really strong, on aggressive on ball defender. Because usually you don't get like DeAndre Hunter, strong on ball defender nothing particularly interesting as a team defender and made him not a good defensive player his first year, really. Um, I would say Vassell's that too, but he's not as strong. Yeah, like, uh, trying to think of anyone else who even fits that bill, like a recent 6'5", 6'6", guy who's good at both. I guess Jimmy Butler, but we didn't know what Jimmy was. I'm watching Donovan Mitchell just go ham Ham. on (laughs) the Nuggets, and I'm thinking... Man, they could sub in Isaac Okoro right now. Denver could and have yeah. pretty good on-ball defense and team defense on Mitchell, much better than anything they have on the roster. And he's 19 years old. Much better than anything they have on the roster. Who is healthy and able to play? Sorry to Gary Harris. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, former Bulls legend Gary Harris. <laughs> Icon. What a f- absolute fucking is. I still think about that trade and get mad. And there's nothing to do with Doug. I like Doug, but man. Like, <laughs> look how good Nurkic has been this year. 
The other thing about that trade, too, is, like, it's just shit value. Like, we just talked about what it took for the Wolves to move up. Like, if you're doing the NFL draft thing where you have, like, the pick values and stuff, that would have been way lopsided against the Bulls. They gave up two mid-first for what? I mean, Doug is... To move up five I think it was for a 22-year-old or whatever. Like, that's... To move, yeah, to move up, like, five spots for a... 22 year old like who was obviously going to be like a role player in the nba and i think he actually was pretty good for the pacers this year although i think in this playoff series he was he's been awful he's been obliterated by the heat yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean that's not surprising not the heat yeah, yeah. well you oh, that he why, looks, why, why do we have to bring this up <laughs> he looks he looks good in a suit so john paxson likes him he's great he's hair a respectable young man yeah um, some other dog whistle bullshit that john paxson likes <laughs> Oh man, Ricky, you got anything else to ask? We'd probably wrap it up here. Uh, what's your hottest draft take? I guess you got Poku at number one. You can't get hotter than that. Mason Jones in the top twenty, and James Wiseman not, not in the top twenty. <laughs> I, Ricky doesn't like James. I mean, it seems like just in general, like I, I like no. Well, I got Wiseman like ten. Yeah. yeah, I mean the way the NBA is these days. I mean, just like why would you? T- why would you take a big man like he can't shoot? Right? No. Well, people. Uh, why would you? He might shoot okay on like spot ups, but he's not like a fluid mover. And, and at he, this point, like it, it just seems weird to take a big dude if he like isn't super versatile. You know what? Wiseman's, way- one of Wiseman's biggest weaknesses. Sorry, let me. He, he and Obi Toppin have one of the same, and Isaiah Stewart, who I don't think should even be drafted, um, and Daniel Turu. They all have the same weakness, which is they they aren't very good at jumping while moving backwards, which um, is extremely important for a big man to do. Like uh, it's that's a that's a pretty critical like rim protection thing. Now Wiseman will yeah. still block shots. He'll get some rebounds. He's huge. Yeah. But he had a um he had a, a do you guys remember when uh, Dewan Blair almost ripped Hashim Thabit's arms off and it was like that's concerning for the NBA. Uh, he had that happen, but it was with Francis Okoro on, on Oregon, who's not a draft prospect. But Francis Okoro just picked him up with one arm and pushed him out of bounds and dunked on him. And it was like that's the one good team they played, and he almost fouled out of that game. He had a decent game. But, like, all the Oregon bigs, and Oregon's one of those teams who plays a bunch of 6'8 guys, they just beat the shit out of him. Like, they just pushed him around. And it's like, I saw that happen enough where Okongwu would throw him around like a child. Okongwu is 6'9", 240. And it's like, what do you think, like, Yusuf Nurkic is going to do to this fucking guy? Jonas Valanciunas is going to eat him, like, rip his head off. Like, he's not going to be ready to defend one-on-one against NBA centers for several years, if ever. And he had a 52-2 shooting in EYBL play. That's bad. Like, he's not – I don't know. I don't know why. The narrative that he's an elite prospect comes from him being seven foot and doing dunks in the open court. It's like, that's cool, but it doesn't make I, him an elite prospect. That just seems like an old, like old-fashioned type deal. Like, yeah. you don't take a like guy like that, that high anymore. I got a take on why he's going so fast. I've actually seen Wiseman play live probably more than anyone because I saw him at USA Basketball Camp when he was a rising junior, uh, you know, the USA mini camp where they bring in the top <laughs> 50 kids in the country. And then I saw him play two games on the EYBL in Indianapolis. Uh, it was the same year. So he, he was looks terrifying. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Like well, physically he's terrifying looking. Wide shoulders, super long arms. But here's here's the real thing. I think that James Wiseman is like unbelievably fucking fast running down the court. He's very fast in a straight line, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievably slow with like his load time. Like he can't yeah. do anything quickly on the court. But he's really straight line fast if he's just running in transition. That's why that's where that's where Whiteside comes up for me a lot because Whiteside will get down the floor. He just don't expect him to turn, and or else he'll fall over. Um, yeah, I mean, like somebody made like Jermaine O'Neal as a comp, and it's like that's not bad oh, either. I don't. He like, had more offensive skill than Wiseman, I think. But like, well, I think like late career Jermaine, like Jermaine O'Neal got played out of the NBA, like. He could be like Hibbert. Like the guys he compares to are not NBA players right now. Also, guy played out of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, like it's. I don't know. He's he's smart. He's a very smart kid. So like I'm, I don't have anything against him personally. And he'll go in the top play. He probably won't be terrible. He's just not going to be like this elite big man player. It's David, like the David Robinson comps were dumb for Aiton. And he's much closer to that than, than Wiseman will ever be. Absolutely. That was the other thing I was going to say is how bad does Aiton go in number one now look? And Aiton, to me, is such a better prospect than Wiseman. And that's not even taking in the defensive improvements Aiton made this year. Aiton, I think, looks honestly better now than I thought he would yeah. at this point. Yeah. Aiton looks pretty good. 
Uh, well, he, he realized he, he finally figured out that um, he had to try to play defense, which, you know, uh, to, to be fair to a guy like that, if you look like that in high school, would you try? I don't think I would. You don't have to. <laughs> you yeah. stand there and block shots and grab the ball. When they but miss. yeah, I mean, I think I'm actually glad for Aiden that uh, they had that game against Buffalo in the tournament where he got all, basically run off the court because Buffalo just played four point guards and ran around him and hit layups and threes all, all game. And he looked, he just embarrassed. They, they embarrassed him. Um, and then, you know, Sean Miller had no counters because he's not a very good basketball coach. But, um, and they didn't have that much talent. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's wise, the Wiseman thing is really frustrating and confusing because it's it's just it's just like ESPN pushing it. Really, it always was like he. I know he had good numbers, but they played who they even play? They played two nobodies and they played Oregon, and he was okay against Oregon, and then he quit. Then he sat out, which was probably good a uh, smart choice on his on his part. Yeah. Uh, do, you got a title pick? I see. I would have said Bucks a week ago, <laughs> but Middleton looking like shit. You know what? My Bucks are not looking. I'm gonna. Good. I'm gonna say that the Raptors will repeat. Love it. I kind of like it. I picked. They look great. The they could lose it five to the Celtics, and I'll look like an idiot. But you know, if Kyle Lowry can come back, yeah, and Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they look awesome. Fred Van Vliet's been fucking incredible. Serge Ibaka put up like thirty on like ten shots yesterday yep. the other day. Like, Mark is looking incredible. better, looking more like. Looking like he, you know, worked out, which he obviously didn't do last offseason, because why would he? He won an NBA title. OG is a monster. Norm has Norm been, has been great. I love Norm. Siakam's been yeah. still productive. That, that series, I'm really excited for that series. That's going to be a great series. Should be, goodness yeah. me, fucking dope. Both of the sure. second round series in the East are going to be sick. Yeah, I mean, he... When's the, the last time we could say that? Yeah. No, the, the weird thing is, give the Bucks a run. I'm really excited for the West second round series, even though we don't know what they're going to be, because they're all... The idea of like, because it would be um, Rockets Thunder versus Lakers versus Clippers Mavs winners, right? No, I think Rockets versus Rockets, Lakers. Rockets, Lakers. Rockets, Lakers. Rockets, Lakers. Or or Thunder or Thunder with yeah. two two now. Yeah. So yeah, then they'll they'll they play be uh, the Mavs or the Clippers probably disemboweling the Jazz to be honest. Like the Jazz, I would assume Donovan Mitchell will not be shooting like sixty percent and every well, because game moving even forward, even but. even as the Mavs struggles defensively, <clears throat> they have better perimeter defenders than that. Like they'll just they put Dorian, Dorian on him, yeah. or like even like Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway does better. He'll play defense sometimes. Sorry, Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> no, nah, he's been a, nah, he's been awful. <laughs> um, I'd still rather probably, have Mandel. Yes. Uh, Porter, I'd rather. Have I know. Yeah, I, one of, yeah, one of my friends has been like, t- like when Porter was going off, like his, he's he does not like Wendell much in general, and he and with when Porter was going off, like whatever during the bubble, it's going up. It's like texting me, like Michael Porter Jr. Like look at him going up, rather him over Wendell. Like he, dude's getting played off the floor now. He looks like shit. The, and, the problem like, with MBJ and like I, I think he's he's been better than be, I expected. Yeah. The problem with MBJ is like, is he going to be a lead scorer? If he's not, then. Like, are you going to pay him for thirty million a year? They should look to trade him for Beal if they can. That'd be a great fit. Yeah, I would totally move him because he has high trade value. He is honestly an absolutely sick shot maker. He's an incredible shot yeah. maker. But it's yeah. just like he's not Kevin Durant. He's not going to handle the ball like that. So, what? What's like he's a second or third scorer? He's and he, not like too, too, too far removed from it though. And you normally don't see a guy who's like seventy-five percent Kevin Durant just because like that body yeah. doesn't really exist, and he sort of does have it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's but just getting I, tougher. I just think specifically about him, specifically about him on the Bulls. Like, is he going to be the lead scorer? If not, then I don't want to want him. Also, just don't want Maga. Him and Zach together would be a, certainly be a treat. Well, and again, like MPJ is not going to be in a position where he's running a bunch of pick and rolls and shit, and that's what you need. Which is why yeah. you need to draft Killian Hayes in this draft. There it is. No one else can do it besides for him and Lamel. Or they can they can uh, sign Monte Morris, <laughs> your guy. <laughs> I no, I would absolutely like start him if like if it's like a bad team because it's like he's gonna make your like. If for some reason he was like in the Chris Chioza spot where he was like on a team that wasn't that good, like or a team that was decimated by injury, I would start him just to be like he will teach your guys how to like be in the right spots and what to do. But enough about Monte. I love Monte. Yeah, 
the greatest we should, turnover probably a good, ratio in yeah. heavy history. So when we start talking about Monty Morris and Chris Chioza, it's probably time to wrap it up here. <laughs> but uh, this was this was great, very informative, especially for me, a draft novice. Listening to you guys talk about these prospects, obviously I need to start to get to know these by, these guys better. This was a great start listening to you guys talk. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us where we could find all your find you on Twitter. Anything else you want to plug here? Uh, I write stuff on Dime whenever they want stuff on Draft People. Uh, which was really weird this summer because there was a draft. Uh, I have a Patreon that I put stuff on, like, not as much as I should, sadly, but I'm going to have my uh, big capsule thing out. I mean, it's out, but I'm going to like finish it off. Uh, 80 prospects with all cast, with full stats nice. and all that stuff. Uh, Malachi Flynn in the top 30. That's one I forgot to say earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I'm on Twitter. I don't know. This is my hobby, so... <laughs> people want to support it that's fine by me do it subscribe yes. to brian's patreon i think it's what a dollar a month he puts out it's whatever you want stuff uh so yeah follow brian on twitter he's got some good cubs takes bears takes even bulls takes really no good, good, White brian. Talk <laughs> good batman takes it's great takes all around great takes all around uh thank you again for joining us man mm-hmm. always a pleasure to get the draft stuff uh, for us here, Cash Considerations with me and Ricky, as always, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Digital, Spotify, Google Play. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to our great ad sponsors, One CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. So for this week, for Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, Jason and Ricky, we will talk to you guys next week. I have no idea what the hell we're going to talk about next. We have tons of playoff action. Maybe the Bulls will hire a coach soon. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see it happen. We'll talk to you guys soon. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of all these sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. So go to betonline.ag and use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.